0: Today we're here at Independence Public Library. I'm Nancy Kishpa, and I'm interviewing RJ Osborne and he's going to tell me what the RJ stands for. Um, the date is July the 8th 2014. Um, RJ what does the RJ stand for?
1: Well the uh, R is for Ralph and the J is just J.
0: Just J? Just an initial? Yeah.
1: Which I didn't know what the R was for until I was about 20 years old.
0: Oh my gosh. How, why, how did that happen?
1: Well, my mother just wanted to name me RJ. And uh-huh. Dad oh. insisted, well, in your grad stream you got to give him some kind of first name. So uh-huh. she did, but she never did tell me or anybody else so that…
0: Wow. What was your dad's name? Ray. Ray. And your mother?
1: Lena. Lena. Tebow. What was it? Elenia Evangeline Tebow.
0: How do you spell that?
1: Tebow, T-E-B-O. Uh-huh. T-E-B-O. It comes from the old French Thibodeau. Ah,
0: okay. And were you born here in Independence?
1: No, I was born in Pasco, Oklahoma, ah. among the Osage Indians.
0: Uh-huh. You want to tell me a little more about about that? What are your earliest memories from
1: that time? as far as Alaska at that time, why that was, uh, you went down the street and there were the old Indians standing on the corner in their colorful blankets, uh, talking in sign language, and then when they got through and had enough, why they went over and climbed into their Cadillac or Packard, it was chauffeur-driven. Wow.
0: What did your folks do there?
1: Uh, my father was uh, what they call a connection form of the pipeline, so he's sort of first level supervisor, uh-huh. which meant that he was first one on a job in the morning and last one to leave at night, so he usually got home, left home before daylight and got home after dark. And
0: put in really long days, I'll bet.
1: Yeah, and when we uh, usually met when we were starting to go someplace where the phone rang and there was a leak someplace and he had to leave.
0: Kind of like a doctor, huh? Wow. Um, What's your earliest memories from those days in Pawhuska? How long were you there?
1: I I was there until just a day or two after my tenth birthday, Hmm. but uh, I uh, we moved around in several different houses, so I lived in several neighborhoods and went to kindergarten, first grade in one school and moved to another one and finished the second, third and fourth grades there before we moved away.
0: I'm recording your voice, but I'm, so I'm do you still have any friends from that time in your life or family no, down there? No, not really. No? Uh,
1: uh, didn't have a whole lot of contact There or one family that we kept in touch with for several years, but after the war we didn't see very many times. Mm-hmm. But I moved around enough. And I never really made that many close friends. Mm-hmm. I had good friends, but not close friends.
0: When? What was your birth date? You told me you were born in Pahaska. October 26,
1: 1923.
0: Wow. That's
1: almost 91 years ago.
0: Good for you. Um, what about the rest of your family? Did you have brothers and sisters? I had
1: one brother that was a year and a half younger.
0: Uh-huh. Is he still living?
1: No. He died this last year uh-huh. or a year or so ago.
0: And then did you have any sisters?
1: No sisters. Uh, during my younger years, well, uh, there was several years of my grandfather and grandmother lived with us.
0: Hmm. And so, what were their names?
1: Uh, Charles Castle and Lida du- Drusilla.
0: Oh, great. Sinclair. Sinclairs? Yeah. Are they related to the Sinclairs here
1: that we know? Not that they could ever trace back, I uh-huh. don't think. Isn't
0: that something?
1: Although uh, the, my great-grandfather, Sinclair, worked in the uh, Pennsylvania oil fields when they were first beginning. Wow! My grandfather uh, was a teamster, which I suspect probably that many was hauling oil in the oil fi- Pennsylvania oil fields for a while before he uh, went into farming.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: His family had been farmers before then.
0: Um, What was your uh, favorite class in school? What was school like and where did you end up? Did you graduate from high school?
1: I I always, I think, enjoyed math, but I always liked to read literature and so on. It was interesting. I finished the fourth grade at Pawhuska and I was in Blackwell, Oklahoma for the fifth grade and Uh Eureka, Kansas for the sixth, seventh, and eighth, or sixth and and seventh grades, and then moved to Independence and finished high school and two years of college there before Uh I went into the Navy and eventually completed my degree in electrical engineering at Kansas State.
0: Oh wow, when were, what were the dates, the time frame you were in the Navy?
1: I went in in June of 1943 and got out in about February of 46.
0: So during World War II? Yes. Did you serve overseas?
1: The last few months or less about a year I was in the Pacific. I didn't see any, uh, very little in the way of actual combat. We got into Okinawa after the fighting was uh, pretty well secured, there were a few kamikazes came over. Mm-hmm. Probably the most hazardous thing was riding through a, a uh, typhoon,
0: wow.
1: which uh, we come within a degree or two, I think it kept sizing in that.
0: What ship were you on?
1: I was on lst three ninety eight.
0: Okay. Um,
1: we made it into into Japan and shortly after the treaty was signed and took some troops in there for the occupation.
0: Can I go back one one thing I didn't catch? What year did you graduate from high school here in Independence? Nineteen forty one. Forty one. Um, is there anyone that influenced you particularly growing up? Um, teachers, friends, relatives?
1: I would say a chemistry professor that we had in high school and junior college was quite an He was Dr. Kogel.
0: Dr. Kogel? Kogel. Kogel.
1: And he was, he was a very good instructor and uh, got me very interested in science. But uh, my career, final career was largely influenced by my experience in the Navy. It's, uh one of those things, it's coincidence that happens. Uh, my uh, right eye wasn't quite good enough to make it into the Naval Air Force, which is where I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. So I waited for the draft to uh, go in and was able to finish. Uh, two years of junior college here at Independence before I went to, in for an induction, and the time I went in, well, they were alternating between the Army and the Navy, and I happened to be in the Navy slot, <coughs> which <coughs> from there I went to uh, Farragut, Idaho for boot camp and uh, was selected to uh, go into the Navy Electronics Program at that time, which they were training people to maintain their radar equipment. Right. So, and that, <clears throat> that involved about a year of training, which took me from Farragut to Michigan City, Indiana, to Stillwater, Oklahoma, to Corpus Christi, Texas and uh, spent a short time working as an aviation radio technician second class at North Island in San Diego before getting accepted into the Navy's uh, V-7 program which took me to New York and Colgate University for about six weeks before going on to midshipman school at Columbia University and from there, shipping out to, from San Francisco to pick up the LSD and and Honolulu. Wow. Um, let's
0: see. How about? Um, were you single at that, that time?
1: Uh. In, uh, when I got stationed in Stillwater uh, I was able to get back and forth to Independence some weekends and uh, on one of them I got married to my wife. we have been in school together before that. Uh
0: huh. What's her name? Uh, what Ruth, is her
1: name? Ruth Rains.
0: How do you spell R-A-I-N-S? R-A-I-N-S.
1: Okay.
0: How long have you been married?
1: Well it'll soon be seventy one years.
0: Awesome. And you have children? I
1: have one daughter and one son.
0: And what are their names?
1: Marcia, who's now Marcia Hayes, and the son is Ron. He's Ronald J. Osborne.
0: So the same and name his son know. is
1: Russell J. Osborne.
0: Carrying on the family tradition then. Mm-hmm. And what do Ron and Marsha
1: do? Uh, they're both retired now. Uh-huh. Uh, Ron spent uh, his career primarily in working for the Defense Department and uh, living in the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, Marsha had a varied career. She, When she was first married, her husband was in the service, ended up in Vietnam, but she, she spent one time, sometime, serving as a fireman at the Air Force base in Clovis, New Mexico, and uh, she uh, she had finished college and had her master's degree in English. And she taught a little in the college there at Clovis, but uh, afterwards. Uh, she uh, ended up, wasn't satisfied with the teaching positions were available and served for most of her career in the uh, rural, first rural male carrier, woman, female, male carrier in independence and retired from that and uh, took up teaching English at the college here in independence. And she's now retired from that.
0: Um, so after you got back from the Navy, where did you go? Where did you settle? And
1: uh, I, uh, I had applied for, that was another interesting ex- incident as far as determining what happened to me as far as my career was concerned. As I'd applied to go to work for the Sinclair Pipeline Company, which is my father worked for and uh, they'd say, well, "Well, when you get when you graduate, we'll come see us." And uh, so I sent them an application. Didn't hear anything from them, so I interviewed with a number of other companies and accepted a job with City Service. And uh, just before I was to report in Texas, I'd go to work for them my father ran into one of the executives from company and at the ball game. Uh-huh. He says, whatever happened to RJ? And he said, well, I told him what I'd accept a job as he Well, He said, well, it was not too late have him come see me. Wow! And uh, he made me an offer, which I accepted. Uh-huh. So I wanted to work for Sinclair, which at that time, the, the offices here were strictly a crude pipeline operation. Uh, with very few exceptions, were all diesel-powered equipment up and down the line. As far as they were concerned, an engineer was somebody who went out with a transit and surveyed. Uh-huh. They really didn't have any particular uh, use for electrical engineers. But, uh, so I, I spent a year or two in the General Engineering Group survey, and at about that time they uh, brought the products operation into independence, and they were in the process of finishing up an electric-powered line, and uh, I moved into the electrical engineering field at that time and continued, and, and they, that was the beginning of a long series of major pipeline construction. I was involved in in the engineering of a number of major pipeline systems throughout the United States from that point on. There was a lot of electrical engineering involved as that was the beginning of cathodic protection which is an electrical phenomenon which they use for uh, preventing leaks on the pipeline, as well as uh, being involved in you in know designing and purchasing the electrical equipment for large pipeline stations throughout the United States.
0: Can you explain it to I me so it, I'd understand what that means cathodic protection?
1: Yes corrosion <clears throat> on the pipeline is primarily due to electrical currents which result from galvanic action and stuff with the pipe in the ground and the a reverse voltage on the pipeline either through uh magnesium anodes or powered rectifiers to reverse that current flow hmm. and it's uh, made a tremendous difference as far as pipelines are concerned because instead of having maintenance gangs spaced about 50 miles and you counted the number of leaks by how many you had that day mm-hmm. to where you', Pipeline gangs spread out several hundred miles apart, and you counted the number of leaks you had by the year. Wow,
0: that's quite a difference.
1: And uh, that made a lot of difference. And uh, electrically, with uh, with going to electrical motors rather than diesels, you cut down on your station, and pretty soon you found out well, you didn't really need to have somebody sitting there watching an electric motor run. Yeah. And uh, so you put in remote control to where you could control them independence and from that point why well, you went into that involved uh, automating the stations where you pushed the button and everything happened that was necessary to bring a station on the line. And uh, Kind of
0: like running an electric utility in a way. Like running an electric utility
1: these days, yeah, in a sense, and it, it involved uh, negotiating power contracts mm-hmm. with the power companies and keeping track of the power costs as it went along. It was really a, a very much uh, electric. Electricity played a big part in the pipeline industry. I had no idea. But then that that of course led with the coming of computers, why you had to interface it all to the computer to where the computer did the work and received all the information so it's been it was very interesting as far as electrical engineering was concerned I found it very diverse and very interesting
0: What are you most proud of in your your working life that you were involved in?
1: Well I think uh, we were involved uh, as by most standards, uh, either the largest or one of the largest pipeline systems. And I think we were one of the best operated as far as, uh, we didn't always push to the very limits of the technology, but we uh, made the best use, I think, of what was available. Mm -hmm. And I think my career there was good. At uh, one point, I was selected for a couple construction projects as the general engineer for the pipeline. And I think probably the most uh, challenging and one of the most satisfying was taking on the job of project manager for major installation of dock facilities and petrochemical pipelines in the Houston area, in which I had complete charge. And uh, we were able to finish the project on time and under budget.
0: That's pretty awesome and unusual.
1: <clears throat> and I was proud of the fact that uh, people that worked with me all were expressed gratitude for the chance to work on
0: it. Uh huh. Sounds like a really awesome project. What happened to Sinclair then? Sinclair well, went on to become another company?
1: That's that's an interesting story as far as the history of independence uh-huh. is concerned as uh, independence uh, was a major factor in uh, the beginning of, of oil production west of the Mississippi as Rockefeller companies uh, had the Prairie Oil and Gas Company, which started with the first production there at Mm Neo-Diché. And uh, Rockefeller's technique was to control oil prices and stuff through transportation. Mm -hmm. So that moved into the Prairie Pipeline System, which is the one that built the big building here. Uh And uh, the, the transition from Prairie to Sinclair is kind of a peculiar sort of situation as, as uh, Sinclair was involved with some of the uh, standard companies in building a line that paralleled the prairie system, which ran from Houston to Chicago. And uh, once it was finished, uh, standard took Standard Oil took over that line and uh, left the Prairie Pipeline system without any particular business. And Sinclair stepped in then and bought the, the Prairie system. It became Prairie Pipeline in 1932, which uh, from a personal family standpoint was a rather dramatic experience because it meant quite a cutback as far mm-hmm. as personnel <clears throat> and resulted in a period of time when my father was no longer foreman, He was working in a gang and mm-hmm. with the Depression that became a part-time thing. Wow. And uh, we didn't suffer too much economically, but uh, my father remarked it was one of the happiest times of his life because he had some time to spend with the family.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But that that changed after Year or two, and that suddenly made her move to Blackwell. He moved on up the. Uh-huh. It was rather interesting. Uh, when we moved from Eureka to Independence, uh, he was uh, being prepared to move into the district superintendent's job for what was called District 1, which included uh, from Kansas Line on up to uh, Paola, Kansas. And uh, at the time I retired, I was division manager, which incorporated that region as well as quite a bit more area. Wow. So uh, family-wise, we had, had a very close tie to the mm-hmm. prairie, Sinclair, and eventually, uh, of course, Sinclair was taken over by Atlantic Richfield and became Arco. And how
0: long did that last?
1: Well, uh, Sinclair uh, took over 1932, and I think Atlantic Richfield bought out in about 1970, so it was around 1970, and it was still ARCO at the time I retired. When did you retire? 1985.
0: Okay. Um. A
1: month before my 62nd birthday.
0: When did um, Atlantic Richfield, when did ARCO leave independence?
1: Well that was after I retired. I don't remember just exactly when, but it was I think uh, probably in the, around 1990 or somewhere in okay. that area when BP bought out ARCO.
0: Okay. How many employees were there?
1: Oh, at the peak when I was working there, I think there were around 300 or so in the building.
0: So it was a major employer for this area. Yes,
1: it, it the, the character of Independence, I think, was largely developed through the influence of the pipeline company here. So. Um, how do you,
0: what, you talked about the character of independence. Can you tell me more about that? What, what does that mean to you?
1: Well, uh, I would say that uh, probably their, their employment independence has primarily been more of a white collar type deal uh, as compared to most cities of that size and it's rather interesting the stories I hear which is before my time but uh, at one time when uh, I think it was Sinclair before he got involved in the pipeline here when he was going to build a refinery he really wasn't welcome independence because they didn't want to become a a lunch bucket town.
0: Ooh, That's interesting. So we've always had a little extra pride in
1: I think it's we are uh, here. yeah the independence of course uh became rather prosperous due to the gas here uh-huh. befo- even before the oil production with the brick plants and glass plants and and then as they all come in with well, the the people uh, town fathers and so on made an effort to bring uh prairie system in here and that's uh, been a big factor in, in prosperity over the years for the uh-huh. town.
0: How about the character of the town in terms of the people? What do you know? Well, I,
1: I think there's probably been more in a way of culture benefits and so on because of the type of employment and so on than mm-hmm. and you'd normally find in a town that size. And it's been clean, friendly town.
0: Uh-huh. Have you been involved in any of those activities?
1: Oh, I've served on the Board of Education and on the College Board, Library Board and that type of thing. and been active in the, some of the dramatics programs and so on over the years.
0: Um, I know you prepared a, a list of things and one of my questions um, was, what things have you seen change over your lifetime and uh, if you just want to pick a topic and talk about it I know you've got several things that are pretty uh, dramatic changes in our lives that that you have seen.
1: I've always been rather interested in technology and but time I was in third grade I had my first mechanical pencil and uh, that progressed, of course, and I got into high school and college into a slide rule, uh-huh. and uh, then my, I had one of the first computers that you programmed in BASIC and stored your data on cassettes, and progressed through that to the Commodore 64, which you had floppy drives and could buy programs on floppy drives to run and uh, when the IBM PC come out, well I moved into the PC field, and hard drives, and so uh, no had... longer used a TV set for a monitor, he had a dedicated yeah. monitor for it, and, and finally into the iPods and iPhones.
0: Do you have an iPhone? Yes. All right. Do you like it? Oh yeah. Uh huh. So you've always been a technology leader, then?
1: Well, in some ways, I know at the, at the time I retired, the 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 mainframe computer people really fought the idea of, of personal computers mm-hmm. in the office. And the only way I had a personal computer for use on my desk at the office was to provide my own. Oh
0: my gosh! Wow. <laughs>
1: But, uh, oh, I've seen a lot of changes uh, in other areas, too, as far as aviation is concerned. Uh-huh. As uh, I had my first plane ride probably when I was about six years old, and fabric-covered uh, biplane that was powered with probably an engine that was left over from the First World War and piloted by a First World War veteran. And uh, when I first went to work, why well, the corporate aviation was flying in a single-engine beach bonanza, and you sat with the pilot. And if the weather was bad, well, you helped him look for a hole in the clouds. Wow. And by the time I retired, why well, they were flying Citation jets with GPS systems commercial aviation, went from the DC-3 on up to the Boeing 757. Mm
0: -hmm. Did you ever have a scary flight?
1: Not really. Uh Uh, Sinclair and ARCO were very conservative as far as their aviation system was concerned as they had pretty strict regulations. Uh Well, I guess if there was a scary flight it was one that we made in Queen Air, Beechcraft at Queen Air, that during uh, one of the major hurricanes when we flew through a lot of heavy rain and uh, had to uh, make an emergency landing in Indianapolis or something because there were some, uh, no major mechanical problems, but they had some signs that they thought it was best to get back on the ground.
0: Uh-huh. What other changes have you seen?
1: Oh, uh, as far as uh, the media is concerned, I can remember our first Atwater Kent radio that they powered with lead-acid battery for the tube filaments and dry cells for the plates and you got a couple of stations when the reception was good Mm -hmm. that you could pick up over the static and that moved on to better radios and you're listening to Amos and Andy every evening at six o'clock. J.P. Kelpin, born with the news. And of course, Jack Benny came along, and mm-hmm. Fred Allen and Bob Hope in the shadow. Wow. And uh, of course, as far as the movies were concerned, why. <clears throat> First movie, you, you checked to be sure for where you went, whether it was going to be a talkie or whether it was still silent. And, uh,
0: Do you remember any of the first movies you saw?
1: Well, uh, I think that one of the first black and whites I've ever seen was The Peacock Lady. And of course on Saturday night, you always, or Saturday afternoon, well, you always want to see the latest ver- issue of the serial mm-hmm. and uh, a western.
0: Uh-huh. And,
1: uh huh. And of course, I remember Will Rogers, uh, Connecticut Yankee in King Arthur's Court. The
0: movie. Did Did you ever see Will Rogers? You had or have a connection
1: uh, to him? No, I don't remember seeing a live performance of Will Rogers. Saw him in the movies a lot. Uh huh. But I remember Alfalfa, Bill Murray, dressing the group at the county fair in Pahuska with with his galluses and long underwear Uh Uh driving in on a Model T and mooching gas off the talking about mooching gas off the filling stations Uh as he come in Um. and uh, remember uh, Vice President Curtis uh, visiting at at Pahuska with the Indians. He was a he was a part of sage.
0: Mm-hmm. He was. Was he?
1: He was Hoover's first, first vice president.
0: And he was the first Indian, um, or I think so, American Indian vice president of the United States. I think States. so.
1: That would have been oh, probably uh-huh. twenty eight or twenty nine somewhere in there. Wow. Um,
0: what other? You've got a, you've got quite a list there of technology things that have changed. Uh, what else did you? want well, to tell Of course, them? as
1: far as TV was concerned, well, we, uh, TV didn't really get to independence until about 1950, oh. and uh, at that time, well, you had, had, you originally had a choice between Channel 2 of Tulsa or Channel 2 out of Kansas City. And it was rather interesting if you had, a, had an unusually good reception day, or you might have your antenna ported, pointed towards Tulsa, but the signal from Kansas City would be coming in strong enough that you'd, you'd see some interference from that. And one interesting experience was watching the uh, old gold dancing cigarette packages while you were listening to Lucky Strike commercial coming in from Kansas City on the backside. But uh, and uh, another part of TV was uh, the an- uh, antenna party when when you got your TV set. Well, that meant getting an antenna up in the air to where you get line of sight at reception. And so you bought pizzas and invited friends in to climb up on the roof and put up the antenna.
0: Uh-huh. And then, then <clears throat> you had friends come to visit so they could watch your TV.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah, you, Yeah. once you had a family, why, well, you invited the neighbors yeah. in until they got theirs. But as far as living conditions at home, uh, we were always uh, in, lived in home with indoor plumbing. Mm-hmm. But uh, when you went to run a house, you checked to be sure whether what they were going to show you was modern, which meant that it had indoor okay. plumbing. And electricity, but uh, I had uh, aunts and uncles who were still living on the farm, and we visited them frequently. Mm-hmm. And uh, by that means, I got exposed to the to the outdoor toilet facilities and mm-hmm. the uh, Saturday night bath in the wash tub, and, yeah. and uh, reading by kerosene lantern. And the phone was a big contraption on the wall with a hand crank and, and multiple parties listening in. Mm-hmm. And uh, plowing was done with the horses, horse teams, and come to be uh, harvesting time where you uh, thrashed with a steam engine, maybe.
0: What did you say before? What was done with the team of horses?
1: Oh, you plowed, and uh, uh, any of your farm implements you pulled um, with, with a horse or a combination of horse and mules. Yeah. You didn't have a tractor.
0: Right.
1: Before the tractor. Uh, so there have been a lot of changes happening in the 91 years I've been around.
0: About. Uh, Space exploration, Um, you talked about aircraft and flying. What about, um, what have you seen in terms of space exploration?
1: Well of course uh, I remember Mm -hmm. when they were putting up the hot air balloons when we were vacationing in Rocky Mountain National Park and you'd look up to see the the balloons and of course later on we uh, kept up on television and newspaper with the uh, space exploits and the independence supplying the monkeys for some of the first uh, space trips.
0: Tell me some more about that.
1: Well, of course, I wasn't too much involved, but uh, some of the early flights before they put up any humans, why well, they wanted to try it out with monkeys, uh-huh. and and they did use a monkey that came from our Monkey Island here in Independence for one of those what passengers. Was,
0: what was, did it have a name or?
1: They had a name, right now it escapes me, but uh, I probably got a sign out at the yeah. park that's got the name on it, yeah. but I don't remember what it was. Hmm.
0: Um, how would you, what, what of everything that you've done in your life um before I get to that one tell me some there's another thing I know about you um, you are quite a photographer and you have been for a long time
1: right? Well that was that was rather interesting as far as getting into photography is uh, I live next door to to uh, sloops and uh, Jimmy was a year younger than I, but his mother, when she was younger, had a dark room. And she she wanted him to have a dark room, and so he got a dark room set for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And he never did seem to cotton much to it and ended up buying the end and inherited his dark room equipment, uh-huh. which I was about, oh, what, uh, 14 or so at the time. Uh-huh and I picked up an interest in photography from that standpoint and started out with my Kodak Bullet camera with 127 film and a 25th of a second at F8 or so and uh-huh. shooting Verichrome film which is uh, I think maybe rated uh, Weston 32 and uh, got into the Thirty-five millimeter cameras with the Olar's A2F started uh, some of the first pan- using some of the first panchromatic Super X film and hit, and progressed on to uh, twin lens reflexes. Single first single lens reflex was the uh, hmm. Well, I'm trying to think of the name of it now, but the German single lens reflex was the first one. Nikon? Oh, it was, it was before. Am I- Nikon wasn't the first single lens reflex. It was It was a rangefinder type camera. Mm-hmm. And uh, went on to that where now I'm shooting Nikon 7100 digital. Got rid of my dark room. Spent a, lot of, spent a lot of hours in the darkroom, uh, so got into, uh, enlarger was, uh, first enlarger was using a shoebox and a photo flood and mm-hmm. using the camera for uh, to project and focus the image to print.
0: Wow, so what do you think about digital? Well, oh, digit,
1: di- digital is, uh, has a tremendous advantages over the old silver system. and uh-huh. you, you can shoot and see what you're taking right now to know what you, what you need to do to improve the deal and mm-hmm. produce a picture quickly and print quickly.
0: Do you also um, do you use things like Photoshop?
1: Oh, yes. You're, as, you're into Photoshop, yeah. too. Huh? You're, you're, instead of of having multiple paper grades and varying your exposure time and stuff and larger and using different grades of developer and that sort of thing, why you use Photoshop and accomplish uh, a lot more, a lot better, a lot quicker and a lot easier than what you did when you tried to adjust tone Uh values and stuff in the darkroom.
0: But I would guess that what you learned in the darkroom in some respects, still applies.
1: Oh yes, yes, you're, d- you're doing the same thing. Just you're you're just using it electronically and digitally rather than with chemicals and.
0: Right. So you've been doing photography since you were fourteen. Yes. Throughout that whole period of time.
1: Yes, it was. It was taking photographs for the paper and the annual in school and. Uh huh. Photographs to record construction and so on in the pipeline.
0: And what else? Have you, have you entered any competitions?
1: Oh, the, just as far as the local museum is concerned, uh-huh. entered some pictures there and been able to get some awards on mm-hmm. those.
0: I've seen those. Um, over your lifetime, what are you the most proud of?
1: Probably my family. Yeah. I think I've got a couple of good citizens. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I know both of your kids and I've met your wife and I think you have every right to be very proud. They're uh, all very special.
1: I was satisfied in my career and where it ended up. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, how would you like to be remembered by future generations?
1: Well, I guess just as a nice person.
0: Well, there should be no problem there, I don't think, RJ, from what I've heard. Yeah. Um, Is there anything else you'd want us to know? Anything else you'd like to talk about?
1: Well, I think we've covered a lot of ground.
0: We have, but I bet we could cover some more. (laughs) I didn't know if I, um, I I didn't touch on a lot of things, um, but I wondered if there was anything else you wanted to talk about. I saw you at the photography exhibition yesterday um, with Les Lesnick Did you enjoy that?
1: Yes, I, I had some reservation as far as uh, whether how interesting and so on that Les could make of it. But I thought he did a nice job with mm-hmm. what he had. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't spectacular mm-hmm. but it uh, kind of showed life the way it was.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's true. Well I'd like to thank you so much for coming in and taking time out to talk with me today. Um, It's been my pleasure to uh, get to know you over time and I know you're an avid reader. You always come to our book discussions.
1: I think my uh, that period of time my uh, grandparents were living with us. Uh, My grandmother uh, had uh, taught grade school for a year or two before she got uh-huh. married, and she she always, she always read to me a lot. Uh-huh. And uh, I was anxious to, to learn to read, and once I did, well, I've always read quite a bit. Uh-huh. And I think that's, I, I think education comes from reading as well as going to school.
0: Mm-hmm. And it takes both. Well, thank you, Grandmother. Okay. And thank you, RJ. All right. Appreciate it.
1: I put quite a bit more than what I had written up. Okay.
0: We did? Yeah. There's an awful lot to you, I think. So, <laughs> yeah. I've always wanted to ask you questions and been curious um, about Marcia's mom and dad and mm-hmm. um, having had the privilege of being in. One in a couple of her classes. Um, she's my inspiration. She keeps mm. me curious and interested in some of the ordinary things and some of the things around us. And that's kind of what um, inspires the Kansas Room here at the library. Is directly from Marsha Hayes. Mm. So, and the characters that she talked about mm-hmm. the people that we take for granted that we don't even realize were here and part of our heritage. So she's my inspiration and uh, I know where she got it from. (laughs) So thank you.
1: Okay. We were so poor when I was growing up that I had wore hand-me-downs from the Indians.
0: Really? Wow. Of
1: course my aunt was a sort of a nanny. She was a practical nurse. She was on the Osage and the hand-me-downs were top-of-the-line goods that came from oh, wow. best stores and were hardly worn. huh. And I'd go over and play with the kids in their house with a, uh, one of the first refrigeration systems where the compressor was in the basement. And they had an automatic record changer.
0: Wow. That is amazing <laughs> to think of the impact uh oil had on the Osage and and their lives, Yeah. yeah.